Hello and welcome to Intelligence Talks. It's our second episode of the year. I'm Anna. I'm a senior research analyst at Knight Frank. And today I'm joined by Knight Frank's head of UK residential research, Tom Bill, and Tosca Fund chief economist, Savas Zaburi. So welcome, Tom and Savas. Thanks for joining us again, Savas. I think we last uh, had you on about six months ago. So obviously quite a lot has changed since then. And a lot has stayed the same. <laughs> well, indeed, yeah. Still in the pandemic. So in terms of what we're looking at today, so we've clearly seen a sharp rise in inflation, a somewhat sharper rise, actually, than we discussed six months ago. And the Bank of England is now expected to hike interest rates again in early February. So we'll be looking here at what this all means for UK house prices. So, Savas, just to begin with you, it'd be great to just hear how long you think that these post-pandemic exit pains will last, how long you will see rising inflation and what that should mean for the UK housing market. Well, let's be clear, we can't deny that the CPI will breach, if not breach, 6%. The context is that it will quickly retreat because we are in an environment where inflation isn't sticky the way it was when I was in my 20s and before then. So, yes, inflation is going to go up. We couldn't have foreseen, to a large extent, the gas price hike, which has been a significant contributor to this uh, spike in the CPI that we're going to see mm-hmm. uh, six months ago. That's a great thing about economics and finance is that sometimes events catch you up, but it's responding to them. So to repeat, inflation will not persist because the content in economics, which is hysteresis, which is a, a way that inflation then feeds on itself, doesn't exist in the modern UK economy the way it once did. Can you give us a rough timeline? So when you say it, it won't persist, how long do you expect strong inflation rates to last, roughly? It's, it's a very good question, and it's easy. It, the anniversary. Inflation comes in 12-month parcels because after the, the 13th month, you're pricing off the year before. So when we get to the summer of this year, you'll see inflation peaking at, as I said, I wouldn't be surprised if it goes and comes in a tad above 6%. By the summer of 2023, you'll see a rate much closer to 25 than it is to 65 I mean, all of these post-pandemic exit pains, so the rising cost of living, um, the rise in inflation, all of, all of that being expected to feed into mortgage burdens of people. Is that not something that you're expecting to weigh on UK house prices this year? I mean, how much of an impact do you think that will have? I mean, Savas has spoken about it as a sort of transitory issue, but surely for the next few months, that'll be something that everyone will be talking about. I think it's absolutely something I'm sure we're all we're all feeling in terms of looking at our own electricity fuel bills at the moment. It's certainly going to weigh on people, I would say, in the short term. I agree it's a more transitory phenomenon than anything else, given the sort of the mathematics of, you know, working out what's happening at the moment compared to 12 months ago. And it will, I'm sure, you know, cause demand to sort of fray around the edges a little bit. But I think it will be transitory. And we can come on in a moment to talk about what's happening in the mortgage market. The backdrop, the jobs market and what's happening in the economy, what we're seeing happening to supply and demand, as I say, that all points to a very strong market. I think the one thing that's affected house prices more than perhaps, you know, it's been a subject that I think thing hasn't been focused on hugely over the last sort of two years is supply. And supply, as I say, has been much lower than it has been typically in recent years, which has put this sort of unusual upwards pressure on prices. That's starting to work its way through the system. So I, I wouldn't expect to end the year in double digit price growth territory, I'd expect to end the year, you know, in single digit growth across the UK, with the exception perhaps of people. I think Prime Central London is going to outperform 
the rest of the country, given it, you know, it's overdue a period of, of, of price growth. But broadly speaking across the UK, I would expect 2022 to be a single digit year in terms of house price growth. You've mentioned, obviously, Prime Central London, and clearly, you know, that's, you can't just talk about the UK as, as one sort of conglomerate unit. Savas, from your perspective as an economist, I mean, where do you see growth potential, both economically and also, obviously, that feeding into house prices across the country? Where do you think the opportunities lie? We used the word earlier on, exit pains. We should also bear in mind that the last years have been particularly good for certain sectors, certain industries, logistics, bioscience, etc. And those industries and sectors have been particularly concentrated in certain areas. So to connect the two, think of what we know as East of England, that's sort of Cambridge, East Anglia, Suffolk, Norfolk. Think of the Midlands, both East and West Midlands. They've had great backdrop over the last two years because of the, the concentration in those regions of academia, bioscience, logistics. So that's where I put my pin in the map and say that's where I, I imagine Scotland and Wales haven't had a good period because they're at the extremes of the country, the southwest, and sort of mildly benefit. But really, that's sort of what I what I call central and cornerstone England, from the Welsh border all the way to the English Channel across East Anglia. I was just going to come to Tom just on whether Savas is sort of overview on the UK chimes with what you're seeing in terms of where the opportunities are for house price growth across the UK. Yeah, I think there's probably a couple of things that are going on. You've got this sort of much talked about race for space that we've seen over the last two years, people looking for more space and greenery. That's really benefited the sort of picture postcard locations around the UK you know, the west of the country, but also the north, people returning to their sort of family roots. So we've seen markets do well, certainly compared to London over the last two years. And I think what's happening underneath that actually is the fact, or a trend that began before the pandemic, which was people leaving the capital because of the affordability squeeze. And that's going to continue. The race for space, I think, has a certain shelf life. I imagine the sort of that the higher end of the country market is going to sort of feel the benefits from that particular trend the most because of the scarcity value of the property. But while that race for space has a shelf life, I think you'll see that affordability squeeze in the capital and other, other big cities will keep pushing people outwards from London and into different parts of the country, cities, you know, Birmingham and, and Bristol and Manchester, and those, those sorts of places where companies are putting, you know, setting up regional offices increasingly. So we've had the sort of race for space and the affordability squeeze combine over the last couple of years to see price growth around the UK overperform versus London quite clearly. I think that discrepancy will, will, will remain, but it might not be as strong because you'll have the race for space coming to an end, but you'll have the other part of the equation still sort of in place and people still looking for more bang for their buck around the country. And Sam, so you've obviously talked about households being sort of more equity rich and so on. What are your thoughts around the base rate currently? Do you think that there'll be a significant increase this year? The language can be quite um, explosive. But let's be honest, we are at 0.25, which means that interest rates in real terms are fairly deep in negative territory. You think about inflation at 6%, that means we've got negative real rates. Where would I see the base rate in a year's time? I'd be shocked if it wasn't above 1%, 1.25. Between 1.1% and 1.25. Would I be alarmed by that? Most definitely not. The context is the rates are going up, not as a reactive measure to bad things, but to the fact that the economy is so robust, it doesn't need emergency level interest rates. It doesn't need to be on the, on the sort of the monetary life support machine. But in terms of how the, the this gentle uptick in base rates and let's be, let's be quite clear about this. Had COVID never happened, let's imagine that, factually, that 
March of 2020, never saw the outbreak of COVID. Where would the base rate be today? It'd certainly be above 1%, possibly closer to one and a half. So where we're heading for is where it would be anyway. Nothing to be alarmed about. On your point on the base rate, are you basically saying you're not expecting it to breach 2% over the next couple of years? No, not 2%. 2023, 1.5 to 1.75. Interest rates don't move in isolation. If the Bank of England is raising rates, but the Europeans are not, then it is impossible to conceive of the pound not going up. And as the pound goes up, it's disinflated. So if we were looking at Europe raising interest rates, then we'd have to follow to avoid some, some further weakness of sterling. We know, because the, the, ECB have told, the ECB have told us as loudly as the Bank of England have, that they have no intention of touching rates until 2024. 2024, we've made it quite clear, because we raised rates in December, that we're going to run the up cycle. So, yes, so in, in answer to your question, if we were sitting here in the summer of 2023, the base rate between 15 and 2% would not surprise me or worry me. We should assume that simply because the, the base rate is rising, that mortgage rates will follow, because much like Aldi and Lidl have come along and disrupted the grocery market to our disposable income benefit, what you're seeing is disruptors coming in, poised. One thing these disruptors do not lack, because they've had huge capital raising benefits, they have enormous pools of capital to throw into this wonderfully attractive market called the UK residential sector. So are you saying that's a good thing, though, in terms of diversifying the mortgage market, making mortgages cheaper for people, that kind of thing? If you make it more competitive, you make it more affordable. So you could you could quite easily see the base rate moving up with no real move in the mortgage rates that are available. But you could even see a situation where the mortgage rate goes down because these, these disruptors, they want a foothold in the industry, which means they're willing to buy market share. Think about buying market share. And bear in mind, the cost of the capital they've raised, because these are what we know nowadays as, as unicorns, the capital they've raised is to them costless. It's not based on short-term money market rates. It's in the bank, and they're going to deploy it. And, it. and they can afford to deploy it in a way that will make the mortgage market in the UK more affordable than it's ever been. The last time the UK mortgage market had this sort of injection of new entrants with money, was the awful period in the 2000s when Alliance and Leicester and Northern Rock and Bradford and Bingley and Halifax and Bradford Scotland came in with a sort of new zest in the 2000s. <laughs> I'm just being aware of time, Sarah, but so I just wanted to get um, Tom's view on, on whether tech disruption in the mortgage market would be a good thing for the industry this year, if you're tracking that as part of the Knight Frank forecast for this year. I think it would be a good thing. Sav's probably got more insight than, than I have, actually. I'd be, I'd be interested to know what you think on the timeline, Sav, on these disruptors coming in. I mean, how soon could that start to have an impact? In terms of where they are at the moment, we know for a fact that they are currently attacking the buy-to-let market. That's a fact. We can, we've seen the way they've been buying buy-to-let platforms. That is basically their bridgehead, because it's too small a market for them to be happy with. Their bridgehead into the wider mortgage market begins with buy-to-lets. To answer your question, they're already there. And we can discuss who they've bought, but they've been, they've been buying platforms quite aggressively. But in terms of the wider market and them having a sort of material impact on, on rates this year, yeah. In 2022, it will then grow exponentially. And without being glib, look at the way that Aldi and Lidl have began aggressively, unrelentingly to grow their numbers. And it's not been linear, it's been exponential. Thomas, is there anything else that you're looking at trend-wise that you think will be big for this year? 
I mentioned it earlier that what will happen in, in prime central London will be will be worth watching because it's not a case of if, but when prices start to pick up there more meaningfully. We thought it might happen, might have already started to happen, but flight restrictions were lifted in October. We didn't really see, we saw people come over, more people coming over to the UK, but they weren't really here to buy a property. A lot of those buyers are still on a sort of seasonal clock. So I think from the second quarter of this year, we could see price growth start to pick up more in prime central London as people start to buy property rather than just sort of, you know, enjoy all the other things that they come to London and the UK for. Is it like straightforward sort of pent-up demand? you think that the sort of similar buyers that were there before will come back or do you think we'll see different types of buyers and different types of seasonality for the overseas market once they've picked up a bit more confidence to travel and so on? I think people you know, will still be coming from the same parts of the world that they always have, which has been a very wide range of countries historically in London. Yes, there's pent-up demand, but I don't think that's just from the two years of the pandemic. That's from probably six or seven years going back in time. Um, we had the stamp duty increase in 2014. And since then, a series of false starts, I would say, have, have taken place and a lot of volatility in the background, politically, economically, now the pandemic. And so it, the market hasn't had a clear run to find its feet and to, and to get going, I think, in terms of price uh, and price growth. So th- this could be the year when that starts to happen. Thank you for joining me, Tom and Sabas. For more analysis, you can subscribe to our research note, which goes out every Monday, Wednesday and Friday. You can see our show notes for more details. Please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and listen out for our next episode in two weeks. Thank you for listening to this week's Intelligence Talks.